0: Uh, what are y'all past the Gosh Don Rock?
1: Hey yo, I'm trying Iron lying, and hosting this will be Bryant, yeah. posting like Kobe Bryant, yeah. flying to see the Cedar pie. With yeah. the hazy,
0: we got Jesse. Opinions get kind of messy. Jesse? A fan of out of lefties, from football to racing Jesse. He go silly when
1: he go deep, she's Zach zeman <laughs> Teaming up with Jack, we stack the whole team. Amen. Man, pass the rock, don't stop the shark clock Ooh. smack the slap shot. Come
0: on, now let's
1: talk. Pass the,
2: yo partner, pass the rock for real. What is up, Lost Tribe? Welcome to Pass the Rock, our next version of the interview sessions. I'm here, Jesse's here, and we are so glad to introduce our very special guest, current head coach of the Auburn Tigers men's basketball team, Division II national champion, and more, most importantly, 2009 Maccabi Gold medalist, uh proud member of the tribe, our friend Bruce Pearl. Bruce, how are you today?
1: Uh, I'm great, Brian. Thank you, Jesse. Great to be with you guys today on the Lost Tribe.
2: Yeah. No, we're excited. So we we have a lot of different topics, basketball, uh, Israel, all sorts of things in between. But let's start way back. Uh, did you envision being involved in sports as, when you were a kid, you know, looking forward to what careers you wanted to pursue and what sports did you play as a kid?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I was a really good athlete um, until I was about 15 years old. I might have been the best athlete in town until then. And God <laughs> said, no, you're not a really nice kid. And uh, all you do is want to beat people up and and outscore them and get picked first and and I, I wasn't a very nice guy and uh, uh, that all got taken a lot of it got taken away from me. But I played baseball uh, in high school and we won a, a league championship and uh, I, my basketball, my football career, my two best sports were very very limited because of some knee injuries. Mm-hmm. And I went to Boston College where I tried to walk on the basketball team, got cut, uh, but I got to know the the head coach, Dr. Tom Davis, a little bit. and Started working for him as a manager, worked for him for four years. Never a day did I ever think I would be a coach or get involved in sports. I was going to do something different with my life, including go to the military in Israel, for go join the IDF for a few years. That was always my goal. But the job got in the way when I got a chance to coach when I was 21 years old at Stanford. So I didn't see it coming.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, So, Jesse, move us into basketball. What do you got?
0: Yeah. So like you just said, you got your start at coaching at just 21, as many years that you've been coaching, surely you've formed some big rivalries over the years. So if you could say who's your biggest rival as an opposing coach or really who you want to beat the most when you guys face off.
1: That's a great question. Look, I mean, right now it depends on, that depends on where you are, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm at, I'm at Auburn. My, my, I want to beat Alabama more than anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Georgia matters here at Auburn, and then of course the best teams in our league are Kentucky, Tennessee. Fired me. I like beating them. You know, I mean it's just human <laughs> nature, right? Um, but uh, you know, I like being the next team that's on the schedule. Um, you know, and then as far as the rivals are concerned, you know, I've just I'm, I've been doing this so long. Um, I'd like to think that whoever the top coaches in whatever league I've been in, uh, at any level, whoever those guys are, those guys that I those are the guys that I want to beat the most.
2: When you look at kind of a similar question, what stadiums do you like going into? Maybe it's because the fans are really fired up and you want to disappoint uh, the home fans as the visiting team. What stadium do you like getting a victory in?
1: Well, the toughest place I've ever coached in and to get a win was the Sports Center in Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh the second that was Division yeah. 2. The the, the 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 Division 1 arena that's probably been the toughest has been Rupp. You know, so they're both located mm-hmm. right there in Kentucky. Uh, look, they love their basketball in Kentucky and they know their basketball in Kentucky. And so those are hard places to go in and, uh, and, and, and get wins.
0: So over the many years that you've been coaching, you've been on the front lines of recruiting for a lot of those years. Are there any prospects that you see as that one that got away?
1: You know, the one that got away in Auburn was probably Jalen green. Uh, Jalen Green who was the number two pick in the draft he's with the Houston Rockets he's uh he's an an, an NBA all-star and uh, you know just you know he decided not to go to college and I think if he had gone to college it was going to be either us or Memphis but I think it was we've got him on we got him on tape one day said it would have been Auburn and yeah. uh, so I'm always I'm you know flattered by that that Jalen almost chose us uh, and uh, that was probably one of the biggest fish to get away.
0: And he's got, uh, you know, your former player, Jabari Smith, as his teammate this year.
1: He does. And Jabari had a great experience at Auburn. I mean, a great experience. And he was unbelievable for us last year. Uh, great. These are great kids. Hard workers. They're going to be really good together. And I'm sure that Jabari is telling him lots of stories about <laughs> some of the things that he missed out in not coming to Auburn. But we all, we, we wish Jaywin and his his mom and his sister, we wish them the very best.
2: Awesome, awesome. So one of the things that I think has changed in the basketball and, and all collegiate sports landscape since you've uh, really in the last five years is this NIL, the new name, image and likeness guidelines. Do you see there being a um, an advantage for schools that are in bigger cities that have connections to you know, maybe bigger companies to be able to, to offer some deals like that? Do you see that as an advantage in recruiting?
1: If they're able to utilize those connections, I don't think, uh, I think it would be an assumption that just cause you're in a big city, right. you've got those kind of big connections because those big cities are usually where there's a lot of pro teams. And mm-hmm. a lot of that marketing dollar is, is going to NBA or NFL or NBA players. You come to a small community like Auburn, we are the pro team, And so there may not be as much money time out. There's as much money. There may not be as much big business, but there's mm-hmm. a lot more interest. And and sure. like for example, our guys at Auburn, they have way more pro celebrity marketing status than some big-time players in big time cities that are in college that are you know behind you know the Knicks and the Mets and the Yankees and the you know Giants, just for an example. So uh yeah, I look the NCAA was arrogant and ignorant for a long, long time, not understanding that everybody was making money except the players. And mm-hmm. I've always been a big guy believing in, in the value of that tuition room, board books and fees. That's things worth something. Sure. But the money got so big in the last 25 years that it, it outgrew it. And um, there's something wrong when you know Ed O'Bannon's playing a, a video game and and uh and, and the kid in the video game is looks, acts, moves, got the same numbers, the same color, just like him. That's yeah. Ed O'Bannon. And he should yep. be compensated for it. And now he's going to be able to be. Right, right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Ed O'Bannon is one of the, the trailblazers in that, uh, for sure. So you were one of the few Division One basketball coaches who never played basketball beyond the high school level. And someone over at ESPN made a ranking of all the coaches in the 2022 March Madness tournament as players, and they ranked you 68th. <laughs> How did this, you know, growing up, not playing basketball beyond that level, did that put a chip on your shoulder or shape your work ethic and coaching?
1: Not not really, you know, not really, because uh I'm not paid to play, right? I'm I'm paid to coach, but I guarantee you I would be ranked 68th as coaches. And that's all that really matters. And I'm not stuck because I'm you can see I got a little chip on my shoulder. So you want to come at me for not being a great athlete? That's that's okay. I'm not a great athlete. Um, you know, and but that wasn't God's plan for me. And mm-hmm. if I had if I had if my knees got were healthy, I would have played college ball somewhere and I had a football, mm-hmm. basketball, I know I would have. But that wasn't—that was what was stored. You know, sometimes things happen that are tragic, for a reason you don't really know why, and you actually pray and ask God, "Why? Why me? Why now? This doesn't make any sense." God's got a plan. He had a plan for my life, and and yeah. uh, I, I'm grateful, you know, for the blessings and and the different directions and the twists and the turns that it's taken.
2: Love that. Coach, uh, one of the best things about Lost Tribe is we get to work with, you know, over 4000 Jewish teens each and every day. And we have a very special intern. Uh, He's actually an Indiana Hoosier fan uh, who wrote a few questions. So I'm going to ask one of those now. Uh, So you've been coaching for a long time, many different environments with all your coaching experience. Would you rather have a team that uh, has a love to win attitude or a hate to lose attitude?
1: Boy, they're both valuable. Um, They're both valuable. Um, I don't. I don't. That's a good question, but I don't know that there's a there's the right answer. Um, Mm -hmm. You've got to hate to lose. Um, It's got to make you sick. Um, It's got to hurt, and that'll get you to do the things that you need to do because you got to focus on a process. Those are both. Those are both end results. You don't focus on the end result. You focus on the process. One of the things that we got to do to prepare Mm -hmm. and train and to work. To put ourselves in position to have some of that joy, but I can tell you, there's a lot of Saturday afternoon games where I'm telling the guys during huddle, "Hey, hey man, after this thing's over, I want to celebrate." I mean, yeah. after this thing's over, I want you know, I want to <laughs> celebrate, and that resonates with them. They want to celebrate too. Yep, you need both.
0: So, staying on the same focus of celebrating, when Auburn got ranked number one uh, in the AP poll last year. was like the mood in the locker room but also how did you guys keep a level head and stay humble throughout the season
1: well it took us a while to get there um we uh we we probably could have should have been one sooner uh but gonzaga was one and uh you know rightfully so they got a great program and uh but way bigger name than, than auburn basketball and so we were uh we had to actually you know it took us a couple of weekends of finally we beat kentucky in a game on a Saturday, I think Gonzaga may have lost, it. it was enough to put us over to the top. But for about four weeks, we were we were playing as well as anybody in the country. Uh, that success doesn't change us. We recognize that it. it's all about March, and it's all about how you finish the season. Um, but I was very very proud of our kids for for uh, re- becoming number one.
2: Coach, let's move on and talk a little bit about your Jewish journey. Um, uh, one question we ask all of our uh, interviewees is just. What's one example of a time where you had to face anti-Semitism, whether in the athletic world or or outside of it, and and how did you overcome that?
1: Well, you don't have you don't have enough time on your show to be able to. You're talking <laughs> to somebody who was born in 1960. You know, you're yeah. talking to somebody that grew up in in Boston, uh, where there was real racism and real anti-Semitism, and I had to put my hands up and fight a lot uh, for being Jewish. I was told by my Catholic friends that that my people killed Jesus, their God. And, you know, growing up with that and not really understanding it. And then, of course, as I as I got older and got more mature in my faith and read the Bible more, I'm like, wait a second. This Jesus guy like he was Jewish, like he was born Jewish. He lived Jewish. He died Jewish. So, you know, uh, that should that should have made us a little bit. Oh, by the way, you know, how you guys don't celebrate Passover and you want to be more like Jesus. He celebrated every year of his life. Like. Yeah. You know, you guys don't celebrate Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot. Guess what? He did. And you all try to be more like him? Man, get back. Read your (laughs) Bible, guys. Um, And then I go back to my story about God's plan. Um, You know, the Christians believe that God sent Jesus to this earth to die for their sins and uh, give them the ability to then... Uh, you believe in him, and then and have heaven as as the reward, uh, you know, in in a, in a more narrow focus. Mm-hmm. So therefore, that was God's plan. So whether the Romans killed him or or the Jews killed him, or it doesn't matter who killed him, that was what God's plan was. If Jesus doesn't die, then he doesn't die for their sins, and he doesn't give them the ability to get to heaven. So let's not get confused here. I as a coach like to find things that bring us together. All right. Being Jesus, being Jesus, being Jewish, should bring us together. Mm-hmm. Abraham being the father of all nations, you know, whether it be Isaac, you know, you know, and, and and Ishmael, and how that went in opposite directions. Okay, fine. Still got the same father God. That should bring us together. Jerusalem is a place that shouldn't divide us; it should unite us.
0: And by the way, Coach, we forgot to say Shana Tova. We hope you have a happy New Year. Um, so, what part of your Jewish background? you just talked about it a little bit, but growing up helped you in your coaching career.
1: Well, let me just say this obvious, like right there, but about putting, bringing people together, you know, getting everybody, knowing who the opponent is, getting on the same page. Uh, that's that's very important. Look, I mean, as far as the anti-semit, you know, the other things that, you know, obviously took place was, um, uh, man, in sports, you know, you heard it across the, you know, across the line of scrimmage. You know, you heard it on the baseball diamond, you heard in the basketball court. Um, you know i lived in a community in sharon where there was a pretty good jewish population and so you got you got you got that thrown in your face like there was something wrong with it and you know i'm i'm obviously very proud of i'm very proud of my people i'm very proud of the fact that god you know chose us to keep the word and keep his commandments we've not done it perfectly history will tell us that but we're still here. And, and, and and you know, to all my, you know, Jewish brothers and sisters, particularly the younger ones, you know, they try to kill and murder my grandfather's family because they were Jewish. They try to murder and kill your great-grandfather's family because they were Jewish. I know that bothers you and, and, it, and it still bothers me. And it happened in Germany. A very, very sophisticated, well-educated, culturally rich country. But because of social media and media, Hitler and the Nazis were able to convince the German people that this was somehow okay. And our students and our kids are looking at media and social media and hearing things about Israel that just aren't true. They're not true. Um, Israel has wanted to live in peace with its neighbors for a long, long time. And, you know, whether you want to go back to the Bible, understand that, look, we were there 3000 years ago and, and we've been expelled and thrown out several times, whether it be the Babylonians or the Romans 2000 years ago, but we've been able to come back and God did promise us the land. And then, um, Obviously, after the terrible Holocaust, the world kind of recognized, you know, where is there a pretty heavy concentration? They killed six million right there in Eastern and Western Europe. It was either the United States where there was a a little over a million and or right there in the Middle East, right there in Jerusalem, right there where the Jews have always lived. And the Jews in Israel were always willing to live as neighbors with their arab neighbors whether it be you know don't if people don't understand jordan's not very old neither saudi arabia not as lebanon all these countries were kind of created right after world war one because that used to be the ottoman empire right but they did not want to live with us as neighbors they didn't and many still don't but you know what is exciting many do how mm-hmm. about the abraham accords mm-hmm. i mean how about the fact that the united arab emirates had the courage to be able to do something that was very, very unpopular um, in the Arab world because you know what? It was in their best interest, and they love Israel, and they love the Jewish people. And, and what we're doing is we're seeing right now those who are going to stand with Israel and those that, who want to be enemies of Israel, and the enemies are fewer. And so don't believe the BS that's out there about Israel being an apartheid state don't believe it. It's just not true. Uh, Israel, all Israel's is doing is trying to protect its people from people that want to murder us. And I pray every day. And I actually work in the area of trying to help Israeli Arabs and Palestinians be successful in Israel. Because I want, I want them to be the envy of the Arab world. That the Arabs that are living in Israel are prospering. And I think I, I think it's possible. But we've got to stand up. For Israel, because there are still many that want to destroy her, including right here in this country.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're speaking right to Lost Tribe's mission of, you know, redefining what what Israel means, especially as it relates to social media. Let's talk about a time where you visited Israel in 2009 when you won the gold medal uh, at the Maccabi Games. What was that experience like? Um, and, and how did that all come about?
1: I had wanted to be the head coach for the Maccabiah for years, but I really had never you know, Brian, I wasn't accomplished enough, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I finally got to Tennessee, and I think the the Jewish basketball world kind of recognized, I guess there's some Jewish coach out there at Tennessee. He's been winning, winning some championships. It must be okay. And yeah. I said, yeah, you've had my resume for about 20 years, but you wouldn't even answer <laughs> my phone calls. Now, all of a sudden, you want me to code, you know, which is fine. I, that's how the world works. <laughs> I took an amazing collection of young men, my son Steven included, uh, his, his best friend, Steven Gruber. Uh, the best player we had with Danny Grunfeld, Ernie Grunfeld's son, mm-hmm. you know, Seth Laub and Todd Gold and the head coach at Florida right now was my point guard. Uh, Zach Rosen, Brian uh, 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 Cohen. Uh, man, we just – we had Allegro. We had a wonderful, wonderful team. And um, uh, we won the gold. We beat Israel in the gold medal game. And uh, Israel doesn't lose at home very often. And I'm, 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 I, we beat him in overtime. And we were getting screwed by the officials they were abraham isaac and Jake were refereeing the game we were getting screwed we still won.
0: <laughs> oh that's great so coach i've heard you talk a little bit about mordechai your hebrew name and here at lost tribe we love telling the purim story we had a whole event surrounding uh purim this past year do you see a parallel with mordechai giving esther the courage to save the nation you know in being a coach
1: yes Yes, every one of your listeners, every one of your listeners that's part of this lost tribe, there's a little bit of Mordecai in all of them. Um, I believe my my grandparents gave me that name for that reason. Look, if if, and I appreciate that. First of all, I want to ask the people that are listening to offer me the grace and forgive me because I'm, I I may have already said things that are upsetting to some. Um, please forgive me. Um. Um. You know, we say never again, but what 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 do we what does that mean, and what can we do? And um, and so, if Mordecai had not spoken to, to Esther, who then be, obviously became Queen Esther, right? She may never have gone to the king um, to save her people. But Mordecai wasn't afraid of 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 what might happen if he overstepped his bounds with 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 his niece. And saying something to her. What if she took it the wrong way? She was she was in king's favor. She could have, but Mordecai knew that if, if if that 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 Haman was going to be able to turn the king against the Jewish people, and there would be a slaughter. Because he'd seen them before, and he saw another one coming. And God put Esther in that place and put Mordechai in that place to motivate Esther, encourage her. And she saved, she then had the courage to go save her people. And uh and so say something, do something, go visit Israel, go visit Israel. Um, and, and that, and, and you'll see for yourself and, and you'll obviously enjoy it. Um, right now, Iran is our sworn enemy. They just live a couple of doors down. Lebanon to the North is ruled by Hezbollah. That's a proxy of Iran. That, that is not a, a, a real government. That's a terrorist state living right on Israel's border. And all they want to do is see Israel destroyed and annihilated. That's real. That's, that, that's real. And, um, Iran as a result is, is an enemy of the Jewish people, not the people of Iran, not the women right now that are fighting for their freedoms. No, they are not our enemies. They're our brothers and sisters. It's the extremist Islamic leadership. If you tell me that you want to kill me, if I have an opportunity to kill you first before you have a chance to kill me, guess what? I'm taking it. I'm taking it. You want to, you want to kill my children? You got to go through me. And our young people need to understand that that's where it, that is right now where it's at some, but at the same time, stop. Israel's doing so well right now. Jerusalem has never done better. Tel Aviv, the economy. You want to talk about freedom? Go to Tel Aviv. You'll see every color in the world. You'll see religious freedoms. You'll see uh uh, uh you know people of 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 every gender uh, of every race of every sexual orientation. It's it's a, it's it's the, maybe the freest society. Now you wanna kill people? You wanna set off bombs? You wanna you wanna uh do that? You're gonna you're gonna face the consequences.
2: Coach, thank you so much. I we have two more quick questions uh for you. I know you gotta run. Um and this is into your hobbies and you know, sure. If Hollywood made a movie about your life, who would you like to see play uh the lead role as you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Man, I don't know, you know, but uh, you know, people used to call me the incredible bulk, right? Like, so they thought I, I looked a little bit like Lou Ferrigno, but I'm not. Lou is a go. lot better than me.
2: I'll so, tell Jesse later who looked for who Lou Ferrigno. And
1: I'd love, I'd love for Adam, I'd love for Adam Sandler to do, to be able to do me. That's actually Perfect. what Brian, Brian said that
0: before, uh, or either Sandler or George Clooney. So yeah, oh,
1: man. either
0: one, either one.
1: <laughs> Perfect. All right, all right, Jesse. Well, uh,
0: ended up All first. right, Coach. I'll take you to the last question, the most pivotal question that we ask everybody that we interview. Where do you land on the critical argument of pineapple on pizza?
1: I'm a, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I I may not order it. I may not order it. But I'm good with it. I've had it kind of a little bit. Of, you know, like like same thing with black olives. Don't I, have, uh, you know, I? I'm an everything guy. You can throw anything on that pizza, and I'll eat it.
2: I love it. I love it. Seth Greenberg had a really it. visceral negative reaction when we asked him that question. He said, "Cheese or pepperoni only." Very uh,
1: narrow Very narrow. Very narrow-minded. Not nearly broad enough. Spent way too much time in the, in, in one part of the country. Although he was in Cali right. for a little while out there in Long Beach. <laughs> but uh, no, guys, thank you. Listen, thank you for what you're doing. Um, you know, I'm so I'm so ups- concerned about all the anti-Semitism on our college campuses. And our young student, our, our young people are not equipped to be able to fight them off, uh, and they're being told lies. Um, and uh, th- look, this has been something that has been organizing for thirty and forty years in institutions of higher learning. And um, uh, if if anybody, uh, you know, I'm going to give you my email. My email is Coach Bruce Pearl at auburn.edu. Coach Bruce Pearl at auburn.edu. And if I'm, if you've got your young listeners out there, what can I do to help? Email me. If there's something you think I can do to help, let me know. And if you're on a college campus right now and you're facing any type of anti-Semitism, you email me. I will email you back. I'll reach out to the, the university leadership there, and um, and we'll get it fixed.
2: All right, Coach. Thank you so much. Good luck this season. I didn't right. let you know I am an LSU graduate. So other than those games, good luck this season.
1: Go Tigers! That's yeah, right. <laughs> so
2: much, Coach. Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs>